20 years ago, the world was introduced to a new kind of species. And a legend was born. Now you can finally experience the complete Alien Saga on video, beginning with the 20th anniversary edition of Alien, Aliens Special Edition, Alien 3, and available to own for the first time, the latest chapter in the Alien Legacy, Alien Resurrection. All four films have been digitally mastered by THX for superior sound and picture quality. Plus, Alien Special Edition features 17 minutes of rare additional footage. Get away from her. Experience the complete Alien Saga. Buy all four videos separately or together in this deluxe gift set, which includes a free bonus video 20th anniversary tribute to the making of Alien, along with these exclusive collector's cards. The Alien Legacy, available on video and DVD from 20th Century Fox Home Entertainment. Serial Viewers returns for this wonderful episode about the Alien franchise. Not just one, not just two, but what are we on? Like seven, eight? It's really confusing. All of them, baby! It's, All it's, of them! Yeah, we're up to it's, like eight now, I it's think. It's getting quite confusing. It's getting out of hand a little bit, guys, isn't it? I'm joined today by Toby. Mate, what I like, I woke up this morning, I was having a bad day, and then you were like, do you want to talk about Alien? Yeah, fuck it, man. So I'm having a good time. Nice, nice. to be here. And Alex. Hi, I woke up on a good mood today, and I've been in a good mood all day, and now I'm in an even better mood. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Thank you, sir. I like the way we always just start with some discourse about, each other. Yeah, yeah. Emo yeah, emotional discourse, <laughs> as I'm going to call it. Coin yeah. it. We need it. Yeah, so just get straight into it, I guess. Yeah, let's yeah, do it. Yeah, because we're going to have to go for a few of them. I kind of wanted to lay it out in a way that we talk about, you know, the plots, the history of the alien. Well, you lot have seen three and four, which I refuse to because the first two alien films, Alien and Aliens, are among my favourites. So you guys are about to convince me that I've been living a lie. I feel like there's going to be a lot of debate today. There is. I don't know if we'll have any rants or tantrums or... No, I hope beats, not. But that might happen. Well, I'm the angry one. And if I haven't seen the things that are supposed to make me angry... Hey, in the last episode, I got angry. Yeah, because of me. Oh, yeah, true. You got angry, he got angry. He I stayed antagonised me. Yeah. yeah, well, you're like fucking Switzerland. I'm always you? Switzerland, like, yeah. I'm just in the middle. Neutral for your own benefit. Haha. <laughs> you have a car though, I don't, so like. There we go. There we go. Ah, there you go, straight off the bat. Tits Envy and, and antagonizing. <laughs> yeah, so. Let's go in. Alien, right? First alien. Toby, take us away on Alien. You want to know how good that film is? Is that at the end of this, should we just address the fact that we're getting into complete spoiler territory with all of these? Oh, this is, if you haven't seen the Alien The film, 1979 then what Masterpiece. Are you doing? Well, you can kind of jump ahead. We could give you like a little warning before each one, because if you've seen maybe Alien, yeah, and then haven't seen Aliens, but for some bizarre reason seeing Alien Cubed, as I, mean, I like to call it. If, if you take a lot of drugs, you can make such decisions. Well, yeah. All right, then. Cool. So, yeah, you want to just get straight into Alien. Alien. I think it takes a lot for a film to be so good that you can forgive the massive explosion at the end looking like a rainbow seizure. When the Nostromo ends. That's a great way to put it. No, but it's got some of the work. Like, it's one of the greatest films ever made. And you know how good it is? That you can forgive the complete cartoon at the end, right? Because this film comes out 
and some English fucker is trying to make a film about space being like a horror film. And you got Dan O'Bannon, who is just some chubby stoner at the 70s, he'd be like, okay, so this and that. And you got some, where is H.R. Uh, Giger from? Is he Swiss or is he Swedish? Oh, it's be something yeah, like that. Do you know what I mean? You get this random yeah. collection of people together and you make this film in which is literally just like, it's, it's a werewolf movie. In space. Haunted House, yeah, Haunted yeah. House. It's a Haunted House haunted, movie in yeah. space. Yeah. 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 Dude, there are so many other films like Alien made at a similar time, but you know what they didn't have? A fucking brain on them. And Ridley Scott. Well, I was going to say... Yeah. Who possesses the brain? Yeah. Interesting you bring up Dan O'Bannon because Dan O'Bannon made a student film with John Carpenter called Dark Star, which is actually quite a... What is that inspiration. about? Uh, it's about a load of space astronauts on a ship right. who are antagonised by a red beach ball. That's just, pretty fucking that, cool, that's, man. That's, that's, that's like an alien. alien is looks, it a communist beach ball? No, no. No, the whole thing is the ball is well. I mean, it is red. It's red, isn't it? It's yeah, 70s. yeah, yeah. You could maybe write something or imply that, but it's a red beach ball that's meant to be an alien going around the ship and killing everyone. He made it with John Carpenter. Nice. And the thing I do notice is Alien and Halloween. Yes. I feel are very much kind of the dawn of the slasher. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because Alien is kind of a slasher movie in space. Well, you put a bunch of people in a specific environment together. There's one element which is just destroying everybody. And it's how you marry the compact elements with the gore. Because aside from one or two characters, everyone exists just to die horribly, like a slasher. And it works quite well because everything is kept very compact, like in the ship. You don't really have time or space to go into other environments. I, think I also that's think what... you don't have the budget to go to other environments. Well, true, <laughs> true, true. But it also kind of leans into the horror aspect of this film, you know, enclosed spaces, claustrophobia, all of that sort, man. That's why, yeah, yeah, Alien's up there, man. Massively. Well, Alien 1 was 11 mil. Is that the budget? Yeah. Which that's is less a... than the original Star Wars film, that's man. That's quite crazy. Yeah. That is, no, but you notice a lot of these greats, they were on shoestrings and they were made by their confinements, by how much they couldn't do. So you become more um, inventive as a filmmaker, mm. you know. Think about when uh, Harry Dean Stanton, Brett, dies, and instead of having this graphic scene where he's pulled to pieces by the xenomorph, unless you've seen the director's cut where he's morphed into an egg, most of that scene relies on his cat's reaction to that. Yeah. That's some French New Wave shit. Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's not like kind of a ah, spectacle, bang, bang in space. Like you're actually trying to get inside people's heads with this shit. Yeah, man. it kind of creates like an imagination. Yeah. Factor. Like you as the audience are thinking, what the fuck is happening to that person right now? Mm. Jesus Christ. And it's like growing up as a kid, you know, your imagination was always worse than the reality. Yeah. So yeah, my, co- definitely. my cousins convinced me that the end of Michael Jackson's thriller video he actually just turns into a werewolf and decapitates a bunch of people. Jesus. And I believe this as a toddler because I hadn't seen the rest of the video. See, but your imagination like to... is a lot scarier than the reality of anything you're shown, man. Oh, for sure. Which is why I find the whole show don't tell thing is way better than having yeah. your monster come out and be on screen a lot. And that's the thing, right? The alien's barely on screen. Jaws. They take and the Jaws. Yeah, yeah. they take some a... vibe. There is a piece of footage of someone walking around in the alien costume, and when you see it, it's like a, just a deleted or it's like a test, Crab walking. test piece yes. of footage, yeah. and it looks bloody ridiculous. Yeah, and I'm guessing that's 
So it's similar why to they the, probably opted against it. So it's basically the same as the Exorcist deleted scene where she does the uh, spider walk on her back down the stairs. Mm. Um, but like he, they got it was the Nigerian brother. His name was Balaji something. They got him literally walking on his behind legs, and it's almost as ridiculous as the CGI in Alien Covenant, but not quite. But this film, the most impressive moments are when it's just pure dark and you see this head. And then if you want to talk about when Yafit Koto goes, when the mouth opens and Jerry Goldsmith score. Jerry Goldsmith, No, but he stands his ground, though. That's what I like about a lot of these characters um, going up against the alien individually. And, well, seeing as we've mentioned a bit of the cast already... We were having a prior conversation saying that there's not a lot of... Well, they weren't all... This is one of those films where it's a retrospectively stacked cast. Yeah. But Tom Skerritt. Everyone else. Billing. Yeah, Tom Skerritt's the biggest name the at the time. Name. John Hurt had only really done Midnight Express He's not done this. Elephant Man yet. He's not no. become a, a world-renowned thespian star, at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ian Holm was mostly a stage actor at this He's point. not Bilbo yet. He definitely ain't Bilbo yet. Yeah. No, he's not Bilbo by a good bloody 20 years. You've got Yafet Koto, obviously, from Live and Let Die fame. Yeah, and Harry Dean Stanton, who is, you know, the 100, 200-odd credited man, you yeah. know... He was pretty much in fucking everything. The world lost something when that man left us, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and then, definitely. And then Veronica Cartwright wasn't really a huge yeah, name I either. I haven't really no. seen her in a few things before this, to be fair. Even though she actually yeah. got nominated for an award for her role. And it's weird because she's almost the stereotype of the time of having a screaming She is a screaming mess. queen. Yeah. And that is the biggest criticism of her character. Um, also... It, it doesn't help that in the novelization, you see there's a shot where the uh, alien's tail goes up her leg and then pulls on and that's the last you see of her. In the novelization, it's confirmed that, yeah, he the, the alien rapes her. Right. So right. she, so she really that is that old-fashioned... Um, scream victim, the Barbara of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Whereas, uh, let's get that out of the way as well, that there is going to be some very kind of challenging themes mentioned over the course of this podcast because the whole Alien franchise, uh, especially the first, is heavily influenced by rape allegories, forced male pregnancy and so on. More so the earlier films than the later ones, but it's still quite... So if you find any of that discomforting, I mean, you probably shouldn't have watched the Alien films to begin with and then why are you even here? But it comes from that similar level of almost uh, red scare insecurity of this could happen to you. What if, um, you know, mm. someone impregnated a man and, oh, then, you know, and explode out your chest? Like, it, it feeds into some very um, old-fashioned anxieties. There's this, this natural unnatural as well, because yeah. things which seem natural, like the process of birth and reproduction, whereas this... Film is not just alien in the you know the the creature itself the xenomorph is alien. Yeah, everything that happens is alien to the human experience. Yeah, that's so the way of putting it. The title has a lot more meaning to it just than oh, it's an alien. And it has a great tagline to be honest. In space, no one can hear you scream. Perfect. Yeah. 
Have you ever tried screaming in space? I've though? never been to space. It's the thing that pissed me off. You grow up with all this shit from the 70s where they say, like, you can't scream in space. And it's like, yeah, well, I've never tried. I'm guessing it's a vacuum, so you wouldn't. No, yeah, but science, that's some rich but, white man shit. Do you but know what then I mean? again, like, you know, there's sounds of uh, Saturn. You can hear Saturn. That's, that's Saturn true. Sound and like. you can hear a black hole. If you go on YouTube, you can hear these things. Yeah. Saturn sounds, is the these... stuff of nightmares, by really? the way. These have been recorded. The sound of Saturn is so... So creepy. Does it have a melody or is it just like... It's like ringing and stuff. It almost feels like it is in a science fiction... Nice. ...horror. We need to add that somewhere, man. Sounds of Saturn. The sound of Saturn drives a man insane. I'm 100% sure some Foley artist out there has been like, yeah. Just sample Saturn and put it all over the place. Right, um... Sigourney Weaver, man. What a performance. But it's her first big, yeah. big yeah. breakout. It is. Before it? that, um, so Annie Hall, the mm. film that should not have won Best Picture when it did, um, Sigourney Weaver turns up at the end of that film as Woody Allen's date. Oh, really? But she's shot from wide. So basically, he turns up with this very tall, curly-haired girl, and if you look close, you can tell it's Sigourney Weaver. But aside from Annie Hall, this is her, um, her first big movie. And also, movie. Ripley was originally written as a man. Yeah. So that was the big success with the screenplay was the fact that um, they didn't give the characters first names and they left the roles gender neutral, so they just cast anybody. So, yeah, you could have had a movie in which Ripley was played by Tom... Skerritt. Skerritt, or even... Or Yafet Koto. Or Yafet Koto, or even Tom... <laughs> Whoa, what's, what's black the, exploitation alien. What's, yeah, the, what's, the, what's the Magnum <laughs> P.I. Yeah, fucker? That. Tom Selleck. Tom Imagine Tom, Tom Selleck was in... It. Yeah. yeah. As Ripley. Know, as Ripley. <laughs> that would be amazing. It's interesting you brought up Jaws earlier because he literally pitched it as Jaws on a spaceship. Jaws in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and who, who wouldn't buy that? Who wouldn't want to make that? I buy that, I'm like, sold. Give that man 11 million. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to get it made. I can't even make a joke about that because that's exactly how I would conduct myself if I was a studio executive in 1977. Yeah, definitely. You know I, mean? I mean, that's the thing that a lot of pitches have been sold in that manner of going is something that exists speed was diehard on a bus you know yeah yeah uh interesting enough following on you know because with this i think this is a classic and a truly unique film you mean one of the greatest films ever made oh i definitely put it up one, there, one, one sure. of the greatest films ever for made. Sure. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, without any debate I'll, I'll die on that hill Alex, why are you looking at me like that bro i'm looking at everybody like this I bet you are. You're, Sorry, not, I, you're not special i'm just trying to force conflicts here I feel like, you... for like once in your life, not force conflict. Like, yeah, let's yeah. just have peace, man. Peace yeah. and quiet. Let's move on to this one. I mean, it's yin and This yang, is the only you know. one you can now actually talk about before you can finally shut the fuck up because you've luckily not seen three and four. You're pulling ah, rank on me, innit? You're yeah. pulling rank, yeah. And it is James Cameron's Alien. Yeah, 1986, so seven years later. Seven yeah, years. Epic sequel. Now, Long I've... enough for him to change the aspect ratio of the series. Interesting, it's... The year before Full Metal Jacket, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Whereas a lot of the jingoism in it from the Marines, I think, is very reminiscent of Full Metal Jacket. No, it's very... That was his whole thing, was that he was taking the uh, the fantasy of Vietnam, where everyone's going over there listening to rock music and be like, yeah, get some bum-bum. Come on, yeah. ladies. Yeah, we've yeah. had this conversation before at length. And exactly. Um, but that's another thing I'm quite critical of aliens why so the aspect it, ratio it's a, not, no <laughs> not just that but i think aliens for me is an action movie yeah. sci-fi action movie a very good one yeah whereas 
because Alien 1 is this classic, weird, literally alien piece of art. Yeah. There's a level of gravitas the first one carries that the second one doesn't quite... No, and one of my biggest complaints with it always was, which my dad pointed out to me as a kid, and I like the older I get, I'm like, yeah, I really do stand by that. Mm. It was virtually impossible to kill the drone xenomorph, because that's the species of the xenomorph in the first one. It's, yeah. It's a drone. Mm. Whereas the ones in the second ones are soldiers' warriors. That's their breed. Yeah. They lead into the... Uh, Killing them off... Yeah is so much easier. It is, it is. When and you have a machine gun. You kind of... Well, no, just... But that's the thing. One of them hid around covert really hard to kill, and they're just literally running... It's like the Battle of the Somme. It's running yeah. straight into Gatling yeah. gun fire. And they just run through Without them. any thought. So you think they lose the threat level that they had when there was one of them, he was a hunter, and now you've got 20 of them, and it's literally rat-a-tat-tat James well, 20,000 of them, you know it feels I mean? like. To, to be honest, and going on from your point, I think that's also the purpose of having, like, the army aspect in here with the soldiers, because they, they essentially need fodder to go through until they get up to the... You know the, the 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 big alien queen at the end, the, the ultimate well, they, this boss. This introduces the hive yeah. thing, which yeah. my biggest complaint of many of the alien films following the first one is explaining the xenomorph. But also the more mystery you give them, the, the actual scarier, and that's why they get less scary as they go on. Because you start to know more about it. That's a good point. And the hive mind would probably actually support the idea of just sending drones upon drones straight into gunfire because you're protecting the hive, yeah. in a sense. But also the amount of... Um, when there's not a set mythology, because if you look at the Harry Potter films, when new directors turn up, the vibe changes cinematically, but you have the source material. There is a through line. There are, there are rules. Yeah. Um, but that's prone, another thing yeah. that I've noticed with the Alien films. So, for example, um, I'm quite fond of the director's cut of the original where you have the egg-morphing scene where she finds um, Tom Skerritt being turned into an alien egg. And before you had the whole queen thing, mm. that was their idea. So this is how they this is how they survive. They hunt and then they turn people's biomatter. Into, and you have that brilliant shot of Harry Dean Stanton Brett. And they've maintained his likeness just enough that you can tell it's him. But he is being slowly um, decomposed and turned into a new egg. James Cameron comes along a few years later and says, okay, so it's the alien queen, it's the hive mind thing. And then you have greater thematic conflict with the whole thing of her uh, Ripley and Newt versus the alien queen. And yeah. Was the maternal hive. conflict, yeah. isn't it? Which makes sense. But unfortunately, once you get 30, 40 years down the line and you have about 10 of these things, there's no consistency in the mythology. As no. a result, it's like everyone gets their own hands on it and you have these conflicting ideas. And I don't really think that was what what was intended um, when no. they brought out Aliens. I feel like because all of the other films that we'll get onto a lot later tend to have swaps of directors, they all kind of, while sticking to certain mythology, all kind of go off in, and veer in different, different directions. So it's funny you talk about that um, switching directors because the British crew, again, a lot of the original alien cast, like John Richardson and all mm. that, they're like British film James Bond alumni. James Cameron comes up and they're all very attached to Ridley Scott and he has this very kind of American workmanship kind of attitude. Yeah. And there were massive clashes on the Alien set just because of, like, there's the British perspective of, like, oh, yeah, this Yankee's coming in. 
And at the same time, there's this guy that comes in and is like, yeah, we're going to work until 2 a.m. man. We're going to just push Yeah, it. ridiculous like, overtime. Do you know what I mean? Cameron. Yeah. Well, he um, pumped out a great action film, nonetheless. <laughs> rat tat tat motherfucker. It is a great actor. Someone pointed out to me not long ago, went, have you noticed with Aliens that, like, most of the film is watching a bullet counter go down? <laughs> no, like, What's wrong with that? You never <laughs> seen Goldeneye? What's wrong with that? No, I'm just saying... Rambo. <laughs> it's just the fact that you're watching... Oh, yeah, it's just someone... Machine Subtracting... Guns. It's a number being subtracted for loads of scenes. Bullets, bullets, machine guns, people sliding on their bellies. It's kind of the most Toby Aquaria film of the 1980s outside of Return of the Jedi. Um, the cast, uh, Michael Bean, Bill Paxton. May he rest. May he rest. The one, I, the one May I think he stands rest. out, mm. who had worked with James Cameron previously on Terminator and was actually Lance originally... Lance Henriksen. Yeah, yeah, was originally yeah. meant to be the Terminator, by the way. Really? Oh, yeah, Lance wow. And then was... he discovered Arnie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. That, yeah, that, that, and then that changed, but Lance Henriksen, I think, is kind of a bit of a standout in this. Because in the original, you've got the whole conflict of with the fact action, that, yeah. you know... Sigourney Weaver has a issue with the synthetics. And this carries on into the sequel as well. Right, but this synthetic even says, like, oh, yeah, the the previous model was a bit glitched. (laughs) Previous model was bugging out, yeah, that's why that happened. I'm I'm the new and improved, don't worry about me. (laughs) Do you think the cum blood thing's deliberate? Because, you know, the sex... That it looks like... Um, Ejaculate, yeah. Uh, oh. So I wonder that, but I've noticed something with Hollywood in general is that you can show a lot of gore and beat the censors if you don't make the blood red. So or when you, really if it's, bright yeah, red, that's the other If one, it's right. even blue or if it's Green, like milk or example. so-and-so, yeah. you can do some gruesome shit, but it's not real-looking blood, so you can get around it. Well, case in point, the uh, clay people in the... Uh, Suicide Squad 2016. Oh, what, what was their blood? Was it green? It Sorry, was... all I remember is Cara Delevingne doing the kind of... Uh, hula hoop dance. dance. The, the hula hoop dance. No, but the clay people, they shoot them and they just turn into, like, blocks. Yeah, yeah whereas yeah, right. if it was blood, that would be a pretty hardcore scene. Right. You see, I miss the days of James Bond where you just shoot someone and there'd be, like, smoke coming out their chest, man. What happened we'll to that? over. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you could get away From with people love. falling over. Yeah, essentially. This one's actually not that violent, by the way, Aliens. Aliens. Well, because it's all um, non-existent. It's, it's cannon fodder. It's bang, 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 get a target. Bang, bang, bang. You know what I mean? When you see human beings the victims of extreme violence, you're more sensitised to it. Whereas when you see this blatantly silicon, um, phallic-looking alien thing and its head explodes, you slightly know that that was made in a soundstage in Borehamwood outside of London. But not, you know just, I mean? not just killing the aliens, like killing of the soldiers is very like one and done. Like, oh, that soldier gets killed, impaled, boom, it's done. We don't really have time to linger and last with the deaths. There's no weight on the gore. Exactly. Well, yeah. the only bit I could say of actual gore in it is maybe a bit of the acid falling on one of the Marines. Yes. Or the actual chest burster scene that you get with the woman from the colony. When, when they, they find first her, go hung- in. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's psychotic. Yeah. And that's the only real bit of violence and I feel like aliens could pass as a 15 PG-13 these days more so than the first film I think well I think it was an 18 at the time because in the 80s it was basically like yo anything that children can do in real life such as fire a gun because it's before Dunblane we must give it an 18 so there are a lot of 80s movies that you could probably show to a 7 year old now where at the time they were just like no 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 you can't show that to a 15 year old don't do that don't do that 
But yeah, that's aliens. <laughs> Is that all we have to say? Yeah. <laughs> Other than Get away the, from her, you bitch. The, 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 Game over, man. The most egregious moment of Mexican face ever. <laughs> Uh, the, what, what's the actress like name? Yeah, white Irish woman, What's her right? name? She's got uh, the most white is, people name. Her, full name. her name is actually. Why well, I wrote this down. She's a it. badass though. She's, she's great she's, in the role. Yeah, she is, but she's stylistically designed <laughs> to be that way. Her name's George actually Lucas. even better than you thought. Oh, yeah. Jeanette Goldstein. That was it. <laughs> What a name. And you see that really <laughs> butch haircut. Yeah. You see that butch haircut she has? Oh, man. Um, she's never looked like way since. So this <laughs> no, was, she's um, in Titanic and she's like a curly peasant woman on the boat. God, wow. you guys, Brown she, hair. she changed up. You man. guys want to talk about Titanic and how much our generation was wasted on that film. Just, yeah, we're talking about Vasquez. I, I think, honestly, Titanic, if you skip the first two hours, is this it's awesome a bagging movie. It's <laughs> awesome film about a it's boat like, hitting an iceberg. It's like the Poseidon adventure for the 90s, do you know what I mean? Yeah. When you yeah. deep it. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, it's just like, oh, there's some romance that I couldn't give a. Like, right. I've been fantasizing about this peasant boy that I fucked 50 years ago, but I've married and had children since. Rose is a twisted individual. She doesn't, she doesn't have a lot of time it. to think throughout her life, does she? Yeah, but, fake romance. But isn't that thing. more relatable to you now than when you were a child? Uh, that's, a, that's up for debate. There maybe, you go. But <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> okay, you haven't seen Alien 3, or as I call it, ha, Alien ha. Cubed. You mean, yes, because it's the small three. Yeah, Alien Cube. I'm a really big defender of this film, but I think it's largely because when I was about 13, 14, I got given that quadrilogy box. Well, that's when they used to make up the word quadrilogy, like yeah. the hard quadrilogy box set. Yeah, and I got that. And being 13, 14, I for some reason assumed that director's cuts were usually better than the theatricals. Naturally. Yeah. Well, not always the case, because sometimes they're overstuffed and too long. Aliens has got scenes in the director's cut where you're introduced to Newt's family before it all and begins. And you see them die, yeah. Yeah, and that's, I quite like that. But then there is, as you go over the film, there's a few five minutes, three minutes here, mm. which is just very telling of what James Cameron would slowly become later on in his it's career. It's an excuse for directors to wank over themselves sometimes. A lot of the time. Whereas for this... I saw the assembly cut, as it's called, of Alien 3 first. Right. Now, they're completely different films. Alien 3, the assembly cut, has, one, a complete different subplot going on involving one of the inmates called Golic, who's actually trying to antagonise everyone and deals as the film's second antagonist to the Xenomorph. So he's a manipulator. Yeah, and this okay. a really huge theme to Alien 3 which is because all of the people on the planet are prisoners, Fur Furina, whatever it is. Whatever it's called, yeah. Furina 145 or something. Oh. You know, that's quite a common thing with science fiction. 161, sorry. Planets all have numbers. So it's They're basically... just called Furina. Well, they yeah. They called Furina 6589. Because in Alien and Aliens, it's set on Asheron LV426. But that's just an asteroid, isn't it? You assume. No, well, it's just a planet. It's like a rock or a moon or something. Yeah. And then with Alien 3, you get Furina 161, which is a prison planet. And there's this idea that it's actually the end of days. So the alien coming down is, you know, the beast. Yeah. And the fact that Rid Ripley crashes on this planet as well is almost the messiah coming to their saviour. So it saviour. leads into the spiritual, uh, biblical elements. Yeah, because or... also all the inmates believe in God and there's a religious 
theme going on with is the inmates. Assembly cut or in Alien Three? It's very or? briefly kind of scraped upon, but it's properly fleshed out in the assembly cut. Right, yeah. Which and because the planet itself, they're on this prison. Penal planet. Penal planet. Penal planet. That's, yeah. that's what it's described. We're talking about alien. Penis, not penis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's alien, so penis is very phallic penis, anyway. Yeah. But um, this planet has all these inmates on it who are like murderers, rapists, and so on. Mm. And made up of a really English cast as well. You've got Charles Dance, guys, yeah. uh, Pete Postlethwaite. Yeah. Um, the other one that I forgot's in it, but I was a bit surprised again to find out is... Paul McGann. Paul McGann. Paul McGann. Yeah, Paul McGann. It's got a good, um, good cast, man. There's a few people that turn up in it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, you're in it, aren't you? I like where Pete Postlethwaite's character is called David Postlethwaite in the film. <laughs> That's brilliant. You know what it is? He probably got on with Fincher enough, and he's like, you know, your name, you're, in it, you're a British bad guy. You've got a lovely name for a British bad guy. Hey, well, Fincher disowns it, doesn't he? The so theatrical This is part of the reason I've never watched it. This is part of the reason I've never watched it. Because I the... love Fincher and I love the Alien franchise. And this seems like the kind of like music in the middle of things that should work. And yet everyone came away from the project saying no, we didn't. I'll be honest, he's seen the assembly cut, doesn't mind it. Right. He's okay with it. So whose idea? I know we're getting a bit early now, but this is the one of the bits I've seen. Whose idea was it for Ripley to do the Jesus pose and throw herself into the fire at the end? Well, that makes sense with the assembly cut, and there makes zero sense... In the theatrical cut. Yeah. Really? And there's also the inclusion of the chest burster actually jumping out of her in the last second before she falls into the lava. Yeah, that part Which I like. think sucks. <laughs> Whereas in the assembly cut, you don't get that. She just falls into the lava with it. Oh, so basically Fox were like, ah, but we need a moment, man. Maybe if she dies, it explodes. And then everyone's like, whoa, what's going on? And then she dies. And it's Hollywood money, Matt. Is that the kind of... It feels... It's, well, that's the thing I find with David Fincher's comments on it. It's one of the most studio meddled films of all time and if you watch the 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 assembly cut of it it's closer to what an actual complete you know project is from one voice it doesn't feel like yeah. someone's tampered to shit with it so infamously this kind of feels like the first sort of film to have multiple different subplots where the film goes in many different directions and therefore it puts off the audience a little bit, right? For sure. I, I mean, know it comes out in 93, innit? So this is 92. The peak of the, 92. 92. Mm, this yeah. is the peak of the whole um, post-Batman Batman era of like, we get as many bums on seats, we want to get as many people involved and we just want to make the most accessible film going by what a Hollywood boardroom thinks. Well, this is a test screening nightmare, supposedly, because yeah. they showed a version to a test screen audience yeah and they hated it I'm not surprised and actually that's the funny thing is though whoever that test screen audience were sound like a bunch of fucking tools like the lot of them i feel like you got a good idea for a film there in that somebody is really jaded maybe a bit isolated from society and they go out into the world and decide to hunt down and murder it would only be 30 people but the people in that Alien 3 test screen. <laughs> I mean, why don't you go ahead and direct yeah, right it? that. Make the I idea. Like I need to watch Alien 3 first, so I know what. Well, go and do Are that. Are you going to go with, like, a kind of Ed Wood-esque, the film about the film? 
No, no, no. This is a complete fail. It's more like the end of Inglorious Bastards, where they just show up in a cinema and shoot Hitler up. And uh, the problem uh, with uh, that, uh, though, is that's very much like that shooting for the Dark Knight. Which rises. Is, yeah, I was there. <coughs> in so. bad taste, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it Maybe feels not. a bit like... Ooh. Maybe not. What, you mean like the, uh, what's it, um, Gangster Squad? Do you remember they had to go back and reshoot that scene where they shoot the people through the cinema screen? Because it was coming out after Aurora. Really? What's your, Gangster Squad. I've uh, seen Gangster Squad. Yeah, yeah. Terrible it was film. The trailer was, you think? Awful. Yeah, it's not, it's not a very it's good such film. such an overly glossy, shiny, ugly thing. If you don't like Elvis, then you shouldn't like that as well. Because yeah. they both got that kind of fake... If you've never seen this film, this will impress you. That, Because but... I'd never seen The Untouchables at the time. And that's the film that I compare it to the most. They were banking too much on the cast with that film too. Well, Josh really. Brolin, Ryan yeah. Gosling, Sean Penn. Sean Emma Penn. Stone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Unpopular opinion, I'm not that huge on Sean Penn. I've only ever seen two movies where I really like Sean Penn. I mean, how much can we celebrate a man that beat the shit out of his girlfriend who happened to be Madonna and pretend that we could just move on from that? I mean, so. they had their issues. He's decent and he's pretty good in Fair Game. That's one of the main only films. I like yeah, Colours. Have you seen Colours with have. Robert Duvall? It's about racism. It's about no uh, bloods and uh, blood, the Bloods and Crips. Oh, and how the police the police combat it. And Robert Duvall plays this seasoned, older policeman. Out? Oh, it's like got to be either late eighties, early nineties. Never heard of this. Film. I might really check that out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Robert Duvall plays the seasoned beat policeman, and you've got Sean Penn as the hot-headed one. Is that what they did the Rick and Morty parody of, like yes. Rick and Morty's? With that the sounds yeah. like that's it. it. Okay. Yeah, that's the film Colors. Check that out. That's that's the thing I've seen Sean Penn in. I thought that was a good movie. Yeah, nice recommendations. Yeah. Uh, I like then milk. I like Milk. Milk's meant to be good. I've never seen mm. it. Me neither. But. Uh, but he's also in the car crash, which is I Am Sam, which is the example of never go full... Never go full retard, yes. Yeah, without being too insensitive. No, but as, as somebody who grew up around a lot of people with uh, learning disabilities, um, it's part of the reason I still haven't watched Rain Man, because there's the cartoon version of what that means, and there's actually, like how these people experience the world. But I think you should owe it to yourself to watch that. That's a brilliant film as well. Well, Rain Man, oh, yeah, yeah, good movie. Rain Man yeah. is yeah, a good movie. Man. The thing nobody ever really talks about with that film, which is actually one of his strongest points, is Tom Cruise. Yeah. It's yeah. One of Everyone talks yeah. about Dustin Hoffman, uh, Dustin Hoffman yeah. and always forget how good Tom Cruise is in it because he's actually quite a slimy character here instead of his polished... Good boy, a few Pretty good men. Boy. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna save the day, Tom Cruise. Whereas now he's actually um, very manipulative and hard on his brother, who is autistic. Yeah, is so, it kind of like an anti-Tom Cruise performance, like what you typically kind of a bit like you know he occasionally does this as well. You get like Collateral or uh, Magnolia. Okay, yeah. yeah he occasionally sure. does these roles. Oh, and Les Grossman in uh, Tropic Thunder, even. Yeah, he occasionally does these roles where he's. Uh, plays against type massively and they're actually quite good. Yeah. I think this is before he becomes complete Tom Cruise. Before the Church of Scientology consume him and make him one of their own. Yeah, pretty basically. much. Basically. Yeah. But going back to Alien 3. 
Right. This, this, this film, another <laughs> film I'm going to add about Alien 3 now that we've come back to the fold. This film has very weird lighting, I feel. Well, I like you know? it. That also leans into the whole hellscape getting Judgment Day vibes. Yeah. But this planet literally looks like hell. It's very sandy and doony. Dusty, dusty it's decaying, yeah. it's all falling apart. There's it's lava the color, everywhere. Yeah. It's still works. It's the yeah. colour palette very, or not orange and teal, but very kind of fire look. Orange, it's black and grey. Mustafar, basically. Yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, the other thing I'd say about it in regards to the look is it's actually potentially one of the very earliest examples of steampunk in a film. Right, okay. And yeah. I don't know if that was intentional. No, but the looking back on it, seeps in over the 90s. You can kind By the of. Time you get to Wild Wild West and shit like that. This is a lot earlier than that. Does it kind yeah. of preface that whole. Uh... Yeah, it, I feel like it's one of the earlier examples of a kind of punk world. That's yeah, it is. It's kind of this blend of the old world, the new world. You can kind of tell that by the soundtrack as well, because it's very like rocky at times. It's got like a yeah. rocky. Who did the soundtrack? It wasn't the, uh, the soundtrack for that one. No, no, no. It's before you get the David Fincher, Trent, Trent Reznor <laughs> combination. <laughs> it's uh, Elliot Goldenthal, right? And he's uh, he's kind of a bit more actual music based than film. Based. Mm. Oh, so he was a, he was putting out his own records before. Yeah, he, oh, he's okay, more of an actual yeah, yeah. producer than composer. Where you get the whole thing with Jerry Goldsmith and even James Horner. But when, even the Dust Brothers, that uh, Fincher was doing that with, like they produced. Well, Fight uh, Club. Yeah, Hanson, yeah. Umbop. That's the Dust Brothers, you know. Yeah, and it kind of makes he's always, sense. Yeah, he's kind of always had that link between. I mean, he used to direct videos for Madonna. I feel like it's like Ludwig Göransson going from doing. The community soundtrack to Awaken My Love to Oppenheimer. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If you have your ears to the ground, you can hear some. Successful transition. Exactly. That's what yeah. I call it. And yeah. it's almost. I find he had a very industrial style to him, Fincher, particularly very early on. And he's now kind of seeped into making these kind of sexy IKEA adverts, as I like to call them. <laughs> sexy IKEA. <laughs> like Gone Girl and the girl with the dragon tattoo to me are my. Gone Girl. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're like sexy IKEA adverts. <laughs> Everyone's wealthy with lots of like space in their kitchens. The worktops are all islands in the middle. And they've got like lavish all, tables. Yeah, like. <laughs> I know that it's in particular we've got um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo in the actual book by Styglass and there's a bit yeah, where yeah, the yeah. character goes to Ikea and it is very Swedish so it feels hand in hand with the... But do you think once he made a Swedish movie it's like once you made a film in Nigeria literally every other film you'll make has got to have some scene where people just eat jollof rice for I'm, I'm, I'm pretty so sure. Kind of yeah. I guess so. <laughs> I I feel he like made it's... a film about Swedish people and Tony's like, ah, furniture. To say that actually the killer does also feel very much like the whole Gone Girl Girl with the Dragon Tattoo era uh, of his career. Right, right. Social Network less so. But then again, a I'm lot not... of grayscale cinematography. Yeah, yeah, he's got his own thing about it, hasn't he? He's got this mood. Whereas this is, you can see the Fincher influence over this film, but you can still see that someone in an editing room and a load of producers went, right, let's fuck this up as much as they can. <laughs> also, one of the biggest criticisms I think with the test audiences, and has always been with everyone, and for me is just like, fuck off. I will say this to anyone who argues this. Mm. Killing off Newton Hicks in the opening 10 minutes, for me, is a ballsy idea. That, that, I really like the idea that you killed him. 
Well, no, I don't even think it's that bad in the film. I just find that people okay. are too sensitive and attached to these characters. It's like, get over it. The, the problem is you've sweetened up. That's my other complaint with Aliens. Aliens is too, like, happy and sweet. Alien, she freezes herself at the end and God knows if she's ever going to fucking make it. And you know what? She's like the last survivor. Yeah. And the whole time you've had everyone get ripped out from the insides. Whereas Aliens is like, oh, happy ending. Oh, I got a daughter even though my daughter died in real (laughs) life or something. Who gives a fuck about Hicks uh, Hicks and Newt dying? Okay, Hicks was a cool character. I like Michael Bay and... But to have them all killed off in the opening of Alien 3, I'm like, fuck yeah, this is ballsy, man. But it's done very quick as well. They don't linger on it. They don't no. spend time, like, you know, explaining the situation and how their deaths happened. It's just very, like, to the point, they're dead. We're carrying on with Ripley and the story. Boom. That's and what I, I like. Also, there's a deleted scene, which they apparently really struggled with, where mm. uh, Ripley asks um, Charles Dance's character to do an autopsy on the bodies of Hicks and Newt. Yes. To check if they were holding... Any xenomorph yeah. bodies. Yeah, yeah, And interestingly that- enough, it was apparently so horrific, they cut it from the film. And, like, no one really knows where this footage is gone. Is it not the assembly cut? Assembly cut lingers on it slightly longer, mm. but it's nowhere near what they're actually apparently doing autopsy on a child character in a film. Yeah, right. But that's the thing where it's doom and gloom and a bittersweet nihilism to Alien 3 that I think is more in touch with Alien 1 than Aliens. And it also just makes you kind of discredit Aliens that little bit more. Now, to move on to what I think is the... uh, Interesting enough, I made this note before we, we recorded this because... I've was never really thought note? about. Was it well, a good note? Yes, I, know, I, I like to think so. <laughs> Alien One is a classic, you know, body horror film in a yeah. way, sci-fi, right? Yeah. yeah. Aliens is an action movie. Through and through. Alien Three is a nihilistic steampunk horror. Mm. Alien Resurrection is a comedy. Yeah, it is. I still it's, haven't it's funny. this to this day. It's funny. It's uh, funny. Stockman did a review a few years ago where he showed at one point they have this half human, half the newborn. They look just mad fleshy, and I'm like, nah. It's man. my guilty pleasure Alien film. <laughs> <laughs> it is actually, it's not intended to be funny, but it's just funny in the way that it is executed. And so you think that by making a mockery of the franchise, that's a guilty pleasure? Of course. But then oh, I also think it is deliberate because Joss Whedon wrote the script. Okay. And it's got that zany, stupid, quippy shit that we then got for the last the 10 years with Marvel It's movies. Marvel jokes before Marvel jokes yeah. became Marvel jokes, essentially. And it's funny he went on to do Firefly, which wasn't, yeah. Firefly wasn't like, a dead serious show. It had its moments of like, you know, taking itself well, seriously. Yeah, but the vibe I get is that it was kind of like a modern Star Wars, light-hearted. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. Battlestar Galactica feels sort of space sort of opera. Yeah. yeah, it's a space with, opera for with a sure. Bit more of an edge than you would have got from a kids thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But then with this. You've got Jean-Pierre Jeunet, who makes Alien Resurrection, who done Am- Amelie and... Uh, well, Amelie's after this, actually. Yeah, but so he did well. Delicatessen, which I'd recommend. Really? Yeah, a lot. Yeah, I know the film. Um, okay. yeah. Very weird, really cool, dystopian kind of thing. Mm. And the visual flair that Jean-Pierre Jeunet brings to Alien Resurrection just makes Joss Whedon's script feel like tonal whiplash. It's really weird. And it's almost like Jean-Pierre Jeunet gets handed this script and he's like, but I'm going to make a horror movie. You can tell he's not really happy with it. The Does way it that... drive the point home that you can't make a good movie out of a bad script? 
because you can turn up on set with all the best of intentions and have this vision for something quite intense or serious. But if what you're working with is kind of Laplandy and silly, there's only so far you can take it without doing a complete rewrite. At that point, you've got to go to the Fox boardroom and be like, hey, listen, we want to make these changes. Oh, no, 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 no. It's coming out in... When did Alien Resurrection come out? 1997. Yeah, yeah, 97. But did it come out in the summer or did it come out in, like, November? Uh, you know I, I mean? think it was a summer. I think summer it was an early summer like, release. Yeah. Fox at that, one, at that point just want their... Um, it does continue the theme of great cast, but it feels like the cast is, again, it's a weird one. I mean, I like Winona Ryder in it. Winona. Yeah, Ron Perlman is adequate. He's funny, but that's the problem. It's like Ron Perlman's read this script and seen a comedy. (laughs) Jean-Pierre Jeunet's directing a horror movie. And Sigourney Weaver's like, oh, fuck it, you killed me in the last one and now you're going to bring me back, so just give me money. Yeah. Five million dollars, I can turn up and do this. Because she's super horny in it. Oh, really? this, this is the horniest this alien the film movie. that I've ever seen. How horny are they? It's, uh, everyone's like, there's sexual tension between everyone. It's the first one to have... I mean, in Alien 3, there is a sex scene which makes sense for me, mm. which is that Ripley has been in cryo, fighting the planet over and over needs, again. She needs some. She needs some yeah, release, okay. and she yeah, finds yeah, it point. in Charles Dance, which is fair enough, because Charles Dance is sexy He's man. a great-looking man, yeah, isn't he? he's it? a sexy man. Yeah. Whereas in this, people are just kind of fucking like the way they would in a horror teen movie of the era. When a 14-year-old is writing the script. Yeah, really like fun. 13 yeah. ghosts or something, where it's like, oh, they need tits in it. You know, that kind of horror movie. It's very of its time. Uh, I, think it's, um, I think it is Michael Wincott has a sex scene in it with someone. King of the 90s, though, yeah. Michael Wincott. Well, the Crow. The Crow, um... Three Musketeers with yeah. um, Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, he's great in that. Yeah, he is. He's the big bad. Well, Tim Curry, and then there's him. And yeah. the leader of the 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 leader of like the general, the the main general in the film. I've forgotten his oh, name. But his uh, name escapes me. Oh wait, yeah, is it Dan Hadaya? That's yeah, it, Dan, Dan Hadaya. Yeah, <laughs> proper from, man of action from Commando, the Adams Family. That's right, the king of the late eighties. Basically, we should get a picture of him in a wife beater and get a picture of James <laughs> Khan in a wife beater and decide who has the hairier shoulders. Who has got the most testosterone? He is so hairy yes. in this film, isn't he? There's a scene where he crawls out of his bunk in this and he's just got this matte black shoulders. No, but Dan, like Dan Edea is Jewish hairy. James Khan is Italian hairy. So, there are so, two so which, which, hair. which do you prefer, the Jew hair or the Italian I'm hair? I'm Nigerian, you can't ask me that. <laughs> But yeah, his death scene in this film is is quite hilarious, to be fair. Oh yeah, well, yeah. he throws a grenade, yeah. salutes, salutes, and then a xenomorph just bites out the back of his head, and he pulls out a piece of his brain. So what's the point of the grenade? If he's he's already... fighting, no, he's killing off some others, and whilst he's killed those, one snuck up on him, thinking yeah. he's had his hero moment. This one's way the probably the most violent. Surely, really? in 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 areas, yes. Should I yeah. just watch this for trash value? Like, oh, what, dude, what this is buy? grab yeah. a six pack of beers and watch Alien Resurrection. Well, yeah, just get just get tomorrow. crazy with it. Um, it's weird because you've also got a load of there's a, a death involving Leland Orser's character. Now, sadly, I will always sadly remember Leland Orser as the man with the strap-on knife in Seven. I thought that was a good <laughs> okay. thing about And honest, he's so. turned up in loads of things, like The Guest and this, oh, and really? loads of other he's stuff. And <laughs> he's the dad in The Guest. 
And the problem is, I always see him and I'm just like, it's Strap-On Knife Guy from Seven. <laughs> he's like, he made me fuck her. <laughs> you know, that guy who's like wrapped in a blanket, yeah. traumatised to shit. He doesn't do much of a better performance though, in this film. He gets he gets face huggered, right? Because they bring uh, Winona Ryder and Michael Wincott and Ron Perlman's lot all bring on a load of kidnapped humans to be hosts for. The whole thing is the military are trying to weaponize the xenomorph again. It's yeah. that whole theme. And three ends with it. I like the three doesn't lean on that too much because Aliens is the one that goes... Alien, it's slightly hinted at with Mother and Ash wanting to keep the organism to study it. But the military-industrial complex element with aliens is... is well, Paul, Paul Reiser's character, yeah, exactly. Burke, wanting to go, oh, you know, we'd be missing out on millions if we didn't capture this thing or bring it back to Earth. And then the third one, they find out that Ripley's alive and one's on the planet on with the planet, them. Yeah. So Bishop 2... Lance Henriksen comes back at the end for a bit of it. Yeah, which is actually called Bishop 2. Well, I think it's almost implied, though, that he's What's Wayland. His name? What's his name in that film? In in Alien 3. In Alien 3. Yeah, I don't know. Like, the Bishop 2, that's what Ripley refers to him as. But I think it's heavily implied yeah. that he is actually Wayland of Wayland Utani. And you know what? It's interesting that you mentioned the part about the military weaponizing them because Resurrection is set like what two hundred years after three or something. Yeah, like exactly. that? it's way, it's way, way, way in the future. And yeah. to see that the military are still still have this um, this kind of you know plan. It's carrying on, on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and sure. they're like kidnapped using humans that are stolen by the space pirates led by Michael Wincott. Woo! And then Leland also is one of the people, so they find him a little bit later. And Ripley's kind of half because of the cloning process. She's like taken on some of the characteristics of the alien, so she like bleeds acid blood. She's got like. Super strength. Yeah, she's got super strength. She can proper fight and she can play like basketball that. better than everyone because this is a random <laughs> basketball scene. Oh, I feel like before God. you guys told me this film would come out in nineteen ninety seven, you could have just told me the plot of the film when I just said did this come out in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, it's very nineteen ninety seven. I get the problem is when I look over this film in my memory, I always kind of mix it up with Jason X. Oh, it's got the same feel to it, doesn't it? It I feels feel like, like the I same mix movie. The two up. I'm like, is that in Jason X or is that in Alien? I feel like Jason X took a lot of. I don't know. Took a lot I of watched Jason X once. Now there's a bit of this chick frozen space, and then he killed her. I was like, oh yeah, cool. So Jason X ends with a couple looking up at the spaceship on Earth, like, wow, look at how beautiful it is. <laughs> and I, for some reason, thought that was the ending of Alien Resurrection. <laughs> <laughs> just like I've, the only thing that makes me realise that it isn't is the fact that Jason's robotic mask lands in a lake and I'm like yeah, yeah that's not Alien Resurrection that's a different film no that's a different franchise but I'd say that Alien Resurrection is just a mess it's like I, like I said at the beginning of the review for this it is a guilty pleasure only because of how crazy and zany it is and how much you can actually have fun from it if you don't take this movie seriously which a lot of viewers probably didn't back then, you would actually find this quite entertaining. If I watch this on a Sunday morning after a night out, is it going to piss me off? Or no. Or is it just going to... No, you will laugh. You will no, have a good time. Yeah, this... but I can laugh and still be pissed off. You can treat this as some sort of bizarre spin-off. Otherworld. It doesn't feel canon at all in the sense that Ripley's been brought back to life. Does it feel like your mate made an alien film? It's a retcon fan film kind of thing. That's does, a good way to think about it. It does, it does <laughs> things that you're like... I, I can't believe when you look at scores and aggregates of it, 
that it's as close to Alien 3 as it is. Because mm. Alien 3, at the end of the day, even the theatrical they were cut, trying. is leagues better than this. Yeah. Okay. Whereas Alien Resurrection is a comedy, I guess. It's, it's a fucking mess. And then you got to wait fucking a complete 15 years for what I've noted down now as the existential alien, Ooh. Prometheus. Prometheus. With its god vibe and everything. And, oh, Heavenly. I heard a few people saying that that film was going to change the world when it came out. I mean, I didn't think that when I first saw the trailer, but one thing that I will say is that this is... It, it did have one of the most, like, stellar-looking trailers that I've seen in a long time. Well, not just to mention stellar. It looks... I remember seeing it in 2012, mm. and it, it was the best-looking film I'd yeah. seen at that time, like, the for a long time. The planet looks amazing. The CGI's blended with certain real elements. It never looks like a Marvel mo- modern Marvel movie yep. where you're like, they're not even there. Yeah. Take Ant-Man 3, for example. Oh, I mean, God. it came out a couple of weeks after The Avengers, and even it was night and day difference. And it's Ridley yeah, Scott back. Yeah, looking return, film. Return to form. You know, he wanted to get his hands... Back on, back on the franchise and really give us kind of like uh, exploration into where the Xenomorph came from. But you thought we got that? Because yeah. there were a lot of these fucking spacemen vomiting into the river and then like... The black goo. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Can we talk about the black goo? Let's talk about the black, the black goo. The black goo is the most inconsistent material in any fucking film I've ever seen. It turns you even into an alien zombie man like it does to Sean Harris and her boyfriend. Yeah. Or Sean's. it gets you pregnant with a squid thing. Is Sean Harris a girl? No, oh, Sean no. Harris is the and bad guy boyfriend. in Mission Impossible. Yes, cool. Yeah, he's Fallout, in you know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he also plays the creep in Creep, you know, that 2000s film. 2003 film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I recommend creep. that. It's proper. Creep, yeah. Really yeah, it's creep, man. It's a proper rough horror movie. It's one of those films where you're like, this is probably German. I feel Made weird. in London, like... I feel weird after the film. It gives me that feeling Yeah, it makes like, it kind of a bit sick in the back of the throat. It's kind of clean. Yeah, yeah. 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 But um, Sean Harris is in it, and he gets turned into, like, a zombie thing. Rafe Spall's in it as well. Did you remember that? I've never seen Creep, but Rafe Spall... No, I mean, he's uh, the best Prometheus. He's in Prometheus, yeah. Rafe Spall is in Prometheus. No, I don't remember this. You know those two guys who get lost in the tunnels? At the start? Yeah, fuck. Yeah, that's yeah, Rafe yeah, Spall, yeah. yeah. Sad's been underused. Sad death for them, eh? Yeah, well, one of them gets turned into a zombie man and the other one gets killed by a giant piece of sperm. Which... It's almost like a parody of all the sexual horror elements of Alien, like... Yeah, let's have that. Yeah. Now we're just going to do space semen and see what No, they got a black spunk that turns people into one thing and then knocks (laughs) up Numi Rapace. Yeah, Numi Rapes, the the new the new uh, Ripley, new Ripley. essentially. Well, she's not as egregious people. as uh, the new Ripley in Alien Covenant, where I think, wow, you lot well, literally. Yeah, I we'll, think we'll that is that. dreadful. Like that, they just. But I hate Alien. I think Alien Covenant is the worst Alien film. But we'll get on to that in a little bit. I won't argue. Uh, but yeah, Prometheus, you got a what big standout for me. Fastbender. Yeah, yeah, David. What a character. Super role, right? And it's. One of those things where this film's really good and then you've got all the questions that make it bad and you've also got prosthetic 
faced Guy Pierce at the end. Who literally looks like a really saggy cop. He looks like <laughs> no, he looks like bull sacks. That's what he, he looks, looks like. like, like yeah, you, like, you look at like down it, you haven't like creamed your cock. <coughs> you haven't you, shaved it properly. And you see all them wrinkles, you know what I mean? That's what like, it, that's yeah. Guy Pierce. With my um, knowledge and experience from the care industry, yes. that's what happens. Your saying. genitalia turns into Guy Pierce at the end of Prometheus. <laughs> Warring for a fun time, boys. I've seen the film. <laughs> seeking the meaning of life as well. It's like, dude, if you found out immortality at this stage, you wouldn't want to remain the way you are. Right? <laughs> I like, you look, look at yourself in the mirror. If you've prolonged life to look like that, why? <laughs> That's the question to ask. Charlie Theron plays the the daughter. She's essentially the leader of the exploration. She's the yeah, main, she's the chief bitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you got Big Driss in it. Yeah, my Big man, Driss. my uncle. And he's still doing American accents at this point because someone went right. He was really good in The Wire, Stringer Bell, and then he does Twenty Eight Weeks Later, where he plays another American. He does this thing called Jamaican, as one of my actor friends calls it. <laughs> In the Generic well. American. Jamaican. It's but not from always... anywhere. Like, you can't go, oh, it's a New Jersey accent or a Louisiana accent. Yeah. It's called gen- Generic American. Jamaican. But you can always hear the Peckham. It doesn't matter when he was Shere Khan the Jungle Book. <laughs> He's like Sean Connery. You can always hear the Peckham in his voice. Even Knuckles from Sonic the Hedgehog he too. You can still hear I, I, it. I come out. You know when like Sean Connery played the Spaniard in Highlander. That's what Knuckles feels like. Ramirez. Yeah, Ramirez. Sean Connery is why I'm curious. Like with him because his name's Sean. Do you think he reads every S? Sure. Because it's S E, isn't it? Do you think he reads every S with an S H? Just what, because of the way his name's spelled. He's that much of a narcissist. <laughs> that basically, the only reason for his accent. No, because I've never met Scotsmen that sound like that. Well, well you will. <laughs> Give me five years. I'm sure you will later down the line. <laughs> no, I don't think Prometheus is that bad, really. It's no, a gorgeous I film. It the time. I enjoyed it. It makes no sense. It was... I think the best scene in the film is when um, Numero Pace gets impregnated. But With the squid thing. Yeah, and she has to cut it out of her. So I think that it's was good bit great. of body horror, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's a proper, that's horror. a proper tense scene. That, um, it kind of makes you understand the gravity of what's really going on here. Because in, until that point, you kind of think, you know, they get onto the planet, they start looking around and investigating, and then weird things start happening, and then you don't really feel, like, the severity of it until that scene and thereafter where it's like, oh, shit, no, we need to get off this planet, man. Shit's really hitting fast. And also, we've never seen that... Um, chest burster thing from a perspective of somebody who knew what was happening to them at the time. Right. Yeah. So normally it just bursts like, oh imagine if you had a chest burster in you, you could feel it, you knew where it was going yeah. and you had the resources to do it. That's, that's a great scene. What's interesting as well, I've just noticed is with the stronger alien films, there's a second antagonist to the Xenomorph. Mm. The first one is Ash. Yeah. The second one is Burke, Paul Reiser's character. Yeah. In the third one, you've got Golic if you watch the theatrical cut, but yeah. you don't have if you watch... No, sorry, the assembly cut. The assembly cut, If yeah. you watch the theatrical cut, you don't get him. Resurrection, it's kind of this ambiguous corporate evil army Bad thing, guys. but that's why it's a weaker film in a way. Yeah. And then with this one, it's David... And Guy Pierce's character, who's Wayland, isn't he? Yeah, is he, 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 he is the Wayland. He's the Wayland yeah, in yeah, this, yeah. this situation. Right. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. But it's that, like you said, it's that beautiful balance between the kind of fantasy evil of this monster that you meet in space and the real world evil that you understand from back home. So when you have that out with it's what's the word? Juxtaposition. Yeah. Ooh, well, yeah, very nice. Nowadays. Ten points yeah. to you. Ten points to Griffin. Not better than Afro mentioned, but we'll get there. It's better, thank you. We'll get there. Um, well, juxtaposition's a real word. Do you know what so I mean? is Afro mentioned. Afro mentioned. Oi, that's in the Alex Alex McCreef dictionary. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> but it's the. I think that's part of the genius of it in that there's the evil that you know on a basic social level and the one which is alien oh. <laughs> boom 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 oh well proud of that right let's get on to the last one no let's not let's stay off of the it the one please. where the xenomorph looks like a chicken the one that I think is the worst because at least Resurrection for me has its value as a stupid comedy redeeming yeah but Alien Covenant for me is like a weird remake sequel because it's a sequel to Prometheus, yeah. but then it's basically the exact same plot as Alien 1, just with David. And one of the most awful sins of all, I, I know we got the, the Queen Alien giving birth, and this is one thing they keep changing over these films. There's it's the how they actually give birth. But that, David yeah. being the creator of the Xenomorph takes away any actual horror or mystery yeah. to the Xenomorph that it almost shits the bed, like, horribly. It really pissed me off. So you remember the end of that. Prometheus, where there's the whole, uh, they bring the religious thing into it, where uh, David asks Elizabeth Shaw, why do you still believe? He's like, yeah, I believe because I choose to believe. And there's that whole narrative going through about um, human existence, the idea of life, the fact that, yeah, this is, good versus evil is a choice. Mm. And it doesn't matter how based on reality it is, no, not to throw the, you know... Richard Dawkins' angle on it, but it's about the person that you want to put out there and the worldview that you have. Then we find out that they went to space together and, um, yeah, he killed her and used her to become another uh, engineer, corpse body, and then uh, Dave, there's another version of David that meets David, and then they're like, oh, cool. This one is Walter. Walter, Walter. Walter. is that yeah. his name? It's not Walter Goggins. It's not Walter No, Goggins. but, I mean, AJ, Walton <laughs> Goggins. You've got Walter three White. tickets. <laughs> this man got us three tickets in the IMAX a few years ago, and that's the last time I've seen the well, fucking movie. Well, Same Covenant, here. I've rewatched it to try and give it a second chance. How far did you get in? <laughs> oh, I finished it, but I just remember thinking, wow, everyone in this behaves in, like you said, you know, that Arbed analogy from Community yeah. where people in horror movies don't behave like real human beings because they do dumb as fuck things. Yeah. Why don't we walk into the fight, light of fire? It's yeah. pretty stupid, yeah. isn't oh, it? Oh, I'm going to go and investigate some weird sound at the back of my garden. Everyone is a fucking idiot. They take their helmets off straight away on a planet that they don't actually know has any toxins or anything. Yeah. Um, the fact that she opens fire on a spaceship with loads of combustible items, you would know that. You'd have done your training. That's one thing you would probably have to be tested on. If we're going on anything, this film's set in the future, right? The amount of fucking risk assessment, health and safety you tests I mean, you have to do just to work on a construction site, is insane. let alone be on a spaceship, you would not be doing these fucking dumb as fuck things. You see, at least George Lucas was like, I've never been to space, but in my version of space, the explosions make sounds when they go off in space. 
This is a film made by people who have never been to space that want to convince you that they have. But then it also yeah. makes me wonder, like, because this is following on from Prometheus, um, for the most part, the characters in Prometheus actually make were, sense, make sense <laughs> and made semi-smart choices. Whereas in Covenant, every choice that they make is just basically contributing to their later downfall. In the but film. then, like you just said, um, one of these characters is played by... Uh, as Dave Chappelle calls him, Jussie Smollett. Jussie Smollett! Oh, yeah. And That's the best thing about this movie. Is that you get to watch him watch die. Him die. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, you watch them die because they're, essentially they're brought on this, their, their mission is to head to this planet to repopulate. So each member of the ship is in a couple, um, which I find an interesting take. But likewise, I do, oh, because yeah, everyone is couples. just fucking yeah. on the space station. They all, like... They go to their own corner to fuck in a shower. They go they over die. there. They go to fuck. Yeah, if you just lost half die. your crew, you I don't know if you'd be that horny that you'd immediately be going to have shower sex but, straight yeah. after. Like if everyone you knew nearly died and you found out there was a xenomorph existed. I'm horny. I don't think I'd be straight away like, yeah, let's go bang in the shower. Yeah, yeah man. I've met some guys <laughs> with values, man. They probably do the same. Nah, I've. Oh, I fucking hate. Do you know what's better than this film? What? The best thing about this film is the soundtrack by Jed Kurzel. Yes. Who's uh, brother of Justin Kurzel. The king of the Kurzels. Well, no, no. I don't know what you mean there, but... I've never heard of this. Justin Kurzel um, made the Macbeth film with Michael Fassbender. Oh. And a really good Australian movie. They're both Australian, by the way. Yeah. Made this movie called Snowtown, about the Snowtown murders in Australia. Right. Never and Jed Kurzel's got this amazing ability of making soundtracks that almost uh, sound-based, not melodic in a typical sense. Like, mm. it's not orchestral or like a piece of music. They operate very, like, they're very expressive of a moment. They're not natural... They're not... What you say? It's not yeah. music, mm. is it, what I'm trying to it's, say. It's tones, essentially. Yeah, and um, he, his soundtrack for this film is fucking top quality. One of my favourite scores in the track, I don't know if, you'd rem if you remember seeing as you watched it more recently than Mean Toby, but the actual... Uh, well, that we see in the film, the original chestburster scene... That score, With Billy Crudup. Yeah, Billy yeah. Crudup. That that score that plays over that is it's meant to seem very haunting, but at the same time it's like new life. It's like rebirth almost. Yeah. You know? There's a weird there's a, you feel happy at the same time, like the birth of this organism, but the But, but you also, feel happy watching the man die. <laughs> well <laughs> I think the best thing about this movie, which if you've got the time, it, it's up there as one of my favourite director's commentaries. Other than Total Recall, yeah, where Total Recall you get Arnold Schwarzenegger and Paul Verhoeven talking. Oh, that's ah, amazing! Now that, now that she has the three breasts, ah, you this see, this is the one with the three tits. And you get Paul Verhoeven, yes, 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 and this is a bit very shifty titties. We love it. It's just sex in the movies. No, instead it's Ridley Scott, and you can tell he's just turned up. And I don't know if he's seen all or whatever, or he just don't give a fuck, but he's just like... I mean, he shot a cannon at the pyramids, I'm pretty sure. He's, he's 86, isn't he? <laughs> he's getting there. In this, he's like, well, uh, yeah, I didn't plan any... Like, he starts the time, he's going, I didn't plan anything, so this is just all off the cuff. And he just comes Unless out... Unless he's honest, though. Imagine being that, that rich, where these guys are just buying your Blu-ray for no reason. Yeah, they're all working shit jobs in, like, Harvester or something. And then you could say, like, yeah, so I'm a millionaire. I've made all these great films, these iconic films. I just show up for work, don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. 
We literally says, do it. he goes, it's amazing what you can bullshit as you go along. But you know what? He literally says that in the commentary. I think the, my favourite line, though, for me is either when Billy Crudup does look into the egg, he goes, oh, you can't look in that. What, are you, what an idiot. <laughs> and he's like, but John Hurt did. <laughs> and John Hurt was already dead at the time. So at that point, you're like, are you going to tell a dead man that he did something wrong? See? There's a bit where, you know, the James Franco turns up in it for like, what, a millisecond. Wait, he's in this film? Yeah, James Franco gets Mate, burned you in were a cryopod. Sober than I, was I haven't, when I I haven't seen this film. film in so long. He gets cooked forgot. up in his cryopod malfunctioning. Jesus, is it a remember? Is it a, at least a a, This film scene? had this weird thing where they released loads of the film before as a marketing campaign. Yeah. Yeah. They practically released the whole film before it came out, essentially. I yeah. remember that being the case. And James Franco's part of it, but there's one line that uh, Ridley comes out with where he's like, uh, uh, James Franco's body's like shot off in the kind of Star yeah. Trek way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he'll go off into infinity for infinity where he will be forever in infinity. And you're like, you are chatting out of your ass. I mean, really, really man doesn't grew care. up during World War II in it, so like, there's a, <laughs> there's a certain level of cynicism that you get from an Englishman of a certain age. I mean, he still has the original alien. That's not going anywhere. He's got the masterpiece. He can do what he wants, can't well, he? Well, looking so... over his body of work, I honestly can say there are way more hits than misses. No, he's a For hitter sure. and he's a misser, but when he misses, he wants you to believe that he didn't. It's like your granddad. It's like, granddad, did you just piss on the floor? No, no. no. The toilet has been redesigned to look flatter than it was before, and I pissed in the toilet. <laughs> What's that thing you said, said to me not long ago where it's, Ridley, can you make a good film or bad film? What was it? And he just goes, yes. <laughs> Ridley, you can no, make I a saw, I saw a meme where it was like Ridley, Ridley Scott being asked, like, so Ridley, have you made a good film or a bad film? Yes. <laughs> and you know that would generally be his answer if you spoke to him in real life. Because you get The Martian, which is probably one of his best fucking movies. And then you get, what was that Cameron Diaz Fassbender film he made in 2012? The Counselor. The Counselor, Counselor Which yeah. had a Cormac McCarthy script as well, which you're like, what the fuck went wrong there that you made this movie? I mean, if he turns up to work and doesn't know what kind of movies he's going to make, can you be surprised? If his nah, commentary is like, yeah, so I just showed up to make a prequel to a film that made my career... And, uh, I, yeah, I put my slippers on. I mean, he seems to be wanting to go back to the well a little bit with a lot of his films. I mean, we've got his Gladiator coming up at the end of this year, too. Do you think too, he actually wants two. to make that, though? Definitely like not. Definitely not. Just so, apparently, they've been, trying to, make, they've they've been trying to make Gladiator 2 for 20 years, but it's obviously not the same story. No. They've been trying to make a sequel to Gladiator regardless of what it is. And do you think that... What's happened is, you know, like elderly people have those blister packets with days, of yeah, which yeah. days to take the medication. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think that the studio people have got into his house, mixed up all the pills and have gone, Gladiator 2, and he's like, yeah, yes. why not? <laughs> yes. well, I'm pretty sure that Apple did this with Scorsese on his last film, in that they literally just pick up an 80-year-old and be like, okay, cool. Make a movie. Make a movie. <laughs> um, and then he I makes... like Native Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Go for that. <laughs> It's I mean, like when your uncle buys a truck and you're like, where are you going to get the money to buy this truck? And he says, yes. They're national treasures, man. <laughs> They're national treasures and they must be protected at all costs. I'm hopeful now, though, of Alien Romulus. Yeah. On one, on one basis. It's set between Alien and Aliens. So they're kind of going back to basics with it. Right. 
Drop all this meaning of life bollocks that we've had for the last two. Just make an action film or a oh, horror, horror movie, space, yeah, yeah, like in space with the xenomorphs. Mm. But the fact they've got Fede Alvarez on board, which I mentioned in the uh, forecast for yeah, the year, yeah. he's a solid filmmaker. Yeah. Don't Breathe was a really good film. I would argue to be one of the best of the 2010s. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'd chuck that in there for sure as a shout. So It'd probably be a film recognised in a few years when you go over your... You know, your thousand movies to die book and you go through the decades and they just chuck in something. That's one of those where I think it was an actual taut psychological yeah. thriller horror. So mm. do you think he's going to basically he's been given a great opportunity, he's gonna make them most I think it. he's gonna make a horror movie, which yeah. a lot of the alien films have been lacking for for a while. For yeah. a very long time. Mm. All of them just seem to want to escape the idea that you started off as a horror movie franchise mm. and always make something different. And hopefully he does that, because I also think his remake of um, Evil Dead, which I don't think it's a remake in a sense. It's like, this is the 2013 yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. really decent as well. Right. I don't call it a remake, though. People call it a remake. For me, it's almost like something that just exists in the Evil Dead Universe. Universe. It was a reboot and they couldn't be asked to call it Evil Dead something, so they just called it Evil Dead. It will yeah. be surprising if... Because this movie's been released on Hulu, right? It will be surprising. Well, we don't know now because they've scared they're going to do the Prey. Th- Prey, basically, the issue was someone turned around after Prey's viewing figures and mm. went, shit, we should have released this in the cinema. I mean, you saw the film. <laughs> You'd agree with Every, that. Everyone I know seen Oh, Prey was, Prey was great. Most people I, mean, I know yeah, have yeah, yeah. seen Prey, but haven't seen half the other Predator movies. There you go. And I feel like with this, they might actually go... Theatrical. Don't yeah, maybe. Yeah. But the problem is, it's Disney. And Disney, with their family brand, might just go, nah, Hulu it. Even though they bought 20th Century Studios now, yeah. they're still thinking that, like, oh, well, as a brand, we can't really put out films in which people die horribly. Even though the first film they ever made, there's this old woman trying to crush some doors with a boulder, the lightning hits, and then she falls over, and then the boulder crushes her. So Disney, they want to pretend that they're family-oriented, but if you see that shit in the 40s... Yeah, they made some dark shit you know in their I mean? time. Yeah, totally. I hope it's released in cinema then after this conversation. Yeah, me too, man. Mm. Um, we're we going to talk about AVP quickly? Oh. I've only seen the first one. And to be honest with you, it's like a Flash cartoon that was made at the cinema. The time. main thing I like about this film is, you guys know this, is I think it has one of the best taglines of any film. Yes, Whoever does. wins... We lose. Well, literally every um, general election in the UK or the US, I hear that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever wins, we lose. So it's a great, it's a great analogy. You know what I mean? Um, AVP, yeah. We can... Nah, well, I'm going to touch over it. I think touch over it. I think the issue is Paul W S Anderson makes every film like he is a 14 year old boy. Now, yeah. Event Horizon's an awesome movie. That is the best of. But then I've seen. it's also got that, still got that teenage boy touch to it mm. in a lot of moments. So it's got some of the worst sound design in a movie. I know it's Sam Neill's fighting Lawrence Fishburne, and you've got these punch sound effects that are like lifted from a cartoon. Oh. Also, his wife's suicide is unintentionally funny because of. <laughs> You guys just gave me the breakdown for this film. I haven't seen it, but like... I, Have I, you not I, seen Event Horizon? I've never seen Event Horizon. Oh, I will no. lend it to you. Please. It's great. It's a great movie. Yeah. But again, it's something that could be just that bit better in different hands, I suppose. If you watched it at 11 o'clock and you finished it at 1, without any kind of substance, you would probably get to bed around 4. 
As in, it would kill me. Up. It will disturb you. It is quite <laughs> grim and creepy. Oh, that's what I want. Yeah, that's yeah, the film I need. Go for that. But Paul W. S. Anderson in Resident Evils. So mm. I'm it, AVP feels like a Resident Evil movie. Yeah. It feels like one of the latter ones. Actually, I just said I haven't seen it, and then I'm saying, yeah, no, but it sounds like... No, the first AVP you've seen, though. Yes, I have, but the Resident Evil films. All I know is that Mila Jovovich and him, are they married? Yeah, yeah, they're married. married. Yeah, so it's kind of like watching um, Paula Abdul in the Offices of Trap video. Right. (laughs) I like that. That's a good example. Yeah, do you know what I mean? AVP to Requiem. No, 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 no. no. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. I'll quickly say this. Mm-mm. I've seen it more times than AVP, and I don't. I think it's because I'm looking for something in a film. <laughs> You're looking for something to, to grasp onto, but and there I, is nothing to grasp onto. I don't mean just thematically. Like the film is so badly lit that I can't see what's going on. You can't see what's going on. You don't want to believe that it's as bad as it is, so you want to give it another go. You want to try. You I keep trying that. to boost the brightness up on it. Like, <laughs> and it's just, it just doesn't work. You know when it? you start a video game and it shows you the Rockstar logo and it's like, yeah, adjust your brightness until yeah, you see yeah. that. Yeah, that kind of yeah the, until this is barely visible. Jesus no, Christ. this film has none of that. <laughs> it's so terrible. It's one that's kind of gone half in, half out because it wants to be a, like the biggest criticism of ABP1 is the lack of complete violence in it. And in fact, mm. it is like a PG-13. Yeah, they turned the Predator into like a good guy. Yeah. Like, I'm like, nah, and that's the biggest criticism of that. Whereas Requiem tries to make up for a lot of the things by going, well, let's just make it more violent. Yeah. And make the Predator again like an actual antagonist instead of him teaming up with someone. And as a result, AVP2, still when it's going with the violence, because it's so shoddily lit up and everything, it's like hot, you can't have your cake and eat it moment. Yeah, and the deaths are care. very redundant as well. Like all of the characters that no die, meaning. you don't really care. Like some some people are dis, dis, disemboweled, some people they are They kill a kid in the first 10 minutes and it has no impact. It's pretty dark. What was that film you showed me where the kid gets uh, hit by the truck and then they remade it? What film was that? Did you show us that? It's like an 80s film where this kid got hit by a truck and it was kind of funny. Oh, Pet Cemetery. That was it. Is it like that or is it like... Uh... No, Pet Cemetery had some balls on it at least. Jesus. This, the kid gets face-huggered in the first 10 minutes. And you laugh? Well, I did. It's a bit funny the way That's it happens. It's kind of funny though. I feel a bit less guilty <laughs> uh, about yeah, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't feel guilty. The only people that feel should feel guilty are the people that actually fucking made it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Requiem is... Up there as one of the worst fucking films. It's on my list. It, I didn't like 2007 anyway. So it's still not as bad as the Red, uh, the Predator, which, oh, you know, 2018. I, yeah, yeah, that is the worst Predator film by a country mile. They're on the same boat, and though. it's worse than any of the Alien films, actually. I think the Predator is the single worst film in this. You think it's worse than universe. Covenant? Yeah. Yeah, at least Covenant shot well. Uh, true. And yeah. edited together. And it's got a good score. Well. Yeah. It's got a good score. Yeah. The Predator has nothing. That's how you know Stefan is your mate. Like, Stefan will tell you, listen, you see this trauma you're about to commit to. You shouldn't. Don't watch that film. You know? And it's then you watch the film and you'll suffer. And you'll remember the time Stefan told you not to do it. Hey, you should have fucking listened. I do like to warn people. There are things that have their merits within them, and you can kind of go, well, it's bad, but it had this at least, and yeah. this and that. Yeah. No, the predator. Just no. <laughs> that face that you made. No, like, no, you're no, fed no, up. Geez. You're like, I can't do this anymore, man. <laughs> it's like finding out that your priest is a war criminal, but oh. you can't tell your parents. Right. Fair. 
Right, so on that note, <laughs> um, we've talked about the Alien franchise. I feel like we're, this was actually because someone requested us to cover it. Really? Yeah, Oscar Mortimer. Hey, shout, shout out. out. Shout out. Uh, one of our you. fans. I don't know if you wanted us to expose your full name. You might now, you now get harassed by people on the internet. Oh. But, um, yeah, I suggested it. I said, oh, does anyone want you know anything in particular? And he went... Ridley Scott, Alien, any of that. And I was like, okay, well, well, we'll cover that then. You see, when I said Goldeneye, you laughed at me. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, because it's you. We want other people. Because oh, it's to, me. We yeah. want other people You're to give their recommendations. Yeah. Can't. No, I'm not a host. I'm a co-panelist. You're a cohort. <laughs> cohort. Yes. <laughs> a a panelist. I like that. But oh, yeah. well, I'm probably gonna go home and bang out the first Alien tonight, man. You do. Yeah, I missed that film. I missed that well, film. I don't think, hopefully, the ones we've recommended and said, yeah, it's like Alien 3, please watch the assembly cut. Assembly cut, yeah, yeah. I might have to get up. I've got an idea. Toby, watch Alien. I'll watch Aliens. And Stefan, you can watch the assembly cut of Alien 3. I watched the assembly cut quite recently. Oh. It's one of those I've watched quite a few times. I really like it. But um, yeah, anyway, on that note, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been nice. It's been yeah, nice. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, we were, Luckily, we're talking about. It's good when you do it where you like do some stuff you like and some you stuff actually enjoy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you not know? like the 2024 forecast where we kind of the further we, we got, got a bit into it, we were like, oh <laughs> no, this is gonna be painful. This has been great. Anyway, yeah, it's been Toby. It's been lovely, and let me say it will continue to be lovely. Alex and I like talking about aliens. Maybe one day we'll talk about Predator, but for now, I'm glad you enjoyed this, fellas. Yeah, uh, fellas, fellas. Oh, us. You're yeah, you, us. You, you two. Uh, yeah. Gender neutral, man. Gender uh, neutral. Uh, I thought our audience was uh, a wide variety. Oh, no, to the audience. To the audience. Lasses and lads, thank you very much. So you're pandering. Persons. People. <laughs> Individuals. Persons. <laughs> Individuals. On that note, it's been absolutely yeah, pleasure again. Love you guys lots. Keep listening. And also, if you want to, you can... Find us on Instagram where we are putting up polls for future episodes. You can ask us questions and keep in touch when there's new releases. Yeah, get involved, man. So, yeah, if you want to do that, don't feel, I hate you when it's like, please like and subscribe. Yeah. Um, if you want to, you can. So, yeah, find us on Serial Viewers Podcast on Instagram. Uh, and, yeah, take care. Big love. Bye-bye. Yeah.